All right. Well, if you will turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7, we'll continue our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark called The Cross-Shaped Life. We're going to look at verses 31 through 37 today in the seventh chapter of Mark's Gospel. If you're going to use one of the Bibles that we have underneath your chair or underneath the chair in front of you, it's on page 1072. Hear now God's holy and true word from Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The word of the Lord. You pray with me. Father, we give you thanks and praise that you would gather us here this morning. We thank you that all of us are here together. Thank you for a building that can fit us all at one time. And we just praise your name, Lord, for uh, that we can gather here as redeemed children and as people who know the love of Christ. Father, we pray that you will use this time now that we spend in your word to shape us and mold us, to transform us, to help us see the glory of our Lord Jesus in this text. We pray that uh, we would be desirous of becoming more like him. And we pray that this text this morning would empower us for just that end, that we would be even more equipped to run with the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So last week, Mike talked about the encounter that Jesus had with the Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that had a demon, and she was asking Jesus to cast out that demon. And it's a very interesting passage because Jesus responds to this woman's request in sort of an an odd way. It sounds like what he's saying is no, which seems to be uncharacteristic of him. And it also seems like it could have been kind of mean the way he responded to her. But if you were here last week or if you download Mike's sermon, you'll see that uh, it was neither of those things were the case. Rather, Jesus was drawing out of her that need that we sometimes have to wrestle a little bit with God to pursue him for our needs, to to realize that as we continue to uh, look to him for the things that we need, that he does provide. So for her own sake, Jesus uh, engaged her in a way that required that she wrestle a little bit uh, with him and, and in their conversation. Well, this week we have such a stark contrast. The man that Jesus encounters in this week's passage has a very different situation. He's totally deaf. He's unable to speak except for with great difficulty. 
Perhaps he doesn't even know what's going on. These people have brought him to Jesus, but again, he can't hear anything. So we're not even sure he knows what's happening in this moment. And so perhaps we could say that the last thing that he needs right now is to wrestle. He just needs straight up rescue. And the reality is sometimes what our hearts really need is to wrestle a little bit with God. For him to work with our hearts in that way. But what we see in this passage is other times we just need straight up rescue. And what's so beautiful and powerful about about what we see in this text is we're looking at Jesus' radical compassion, which is uh, a demonstration of, of God's radical compassion as well. And we see that Jesus chooses to use his strength to be compassionate to us when we are weak. Sometimes we just need to be rescued, and that's what we see Jesus do for this man in this text. It's beautiful. So let's look at these things and celebrate these things together. I want to talk about two things. If you're making an outline, we're going to talk about the astonishing compassion of Christ, and then we'll talk about the astonishing cross of Christ, his compassion and his cross. So let's start by looking at verses 31 through 35. Keep your Bibles open. We'll just walk right through these verses and we'll talk about the the astonishing compassion of Christ. First thing we want to see as we look at these verses is that our weaknesses create opportunities for us to experience the compassion of Christ. Now, I don't like my weaknesses. I know you don't like yours. But when we see what opportunities this man's weakness has created, uh, it helps us to understand why we have these weaknesses. Let's talk about the man's condition. 31 tells us that Jesus has now come back into the region of the Decapolis. And 32 tells us that the, these people bring this man to him. He's deaf. He has a speech impediment. That word deaf in the Greek, it is a word that means, literally it means blunted. And so it means that he's totally deaf. It was a word that they would use to refer to somebody who could not hear a thing. And the way it's worded, it looks like he probably went deaf at some point, maybe from an injury or maybe just something else happened. But he he at some point went completely deaf. And the word speech impediment is a word that literally means someone who speaks with incredible difficulty. So you can imagine, actually, I don't think we can imagine life not being able to hear anything and knowing that anytime we talk, it's going to be absolutely difficult for us. So that's the the situation that this man is in. And then he is brought to Jesus. And we get to see four things about Jesus' compassion that are really astonishing, really amazing. And so look at verse 33. It says, first, that uh, taking him aside from the crowd privately. Jesus takes this man away from the crowd. Now, this is interesting. Because Jesus very often would heal someone or help somebody right in front of everyone. But for some reason, Jesus takes this man away. He takes him into seclusion. And that's what's so beautiful here. What we really see about one of the things about Jesus' compassion is his sensitivity. He's very sensitive to this man and this man's needs. Here's a man who, whenever he's in public, he's probably quite a spectacle. He has to point, he has to do all sorts of things if he's going to communicate with anybody. And if he tries to talk, it's probably very embarrassing. And so Jesus is sensitive to this man, seeing in this man's face, the last place he wants to be is in a crowd. And that sweet compassion of Christ, that sensitivity to this man's needs, causes Jesus to lead him away, and so they're in a secluded place, exactly what the man was probably hoping for. Think, you know, if you have a friend or a relative, somebody that really knows you, 
and there are those times when you really need something, you're not even really able to ask for it, and they just show up with it. If there's somebody like that in your life, that's what we're seeing here. Jesus is very sensitive to this man's needs, and he's very sensitive to our needs. That's what's so amazing about him and his compassion, that he knows what we need all the time. Next, look at the rest of verse 33. It says, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Now, I'll be honest, it's kind of weird. Right. I mean, that's that would be sort of a weird situation. You are going up to this man and he sticks his fingers in your ears and then he spits and he grabs your tongue. Let's be honest. That's weird. Until you realize what's happening. Until we see what Jesus is actually doing. Here's a man who cannot hear a thing. This is sign language. What we see is Jesus wants to communicate to this man what he is going to do. He wants to talk to this man in the way that this man would be able to understand. And so, out of his compassion, he not only brings this man into into seclusion, but then he speaks to him with his hands. He puts his fingers in his ears and pulls them out as if to say, you've got blockage in your ears. Let's get rid of that. Then he spits and he, and he takes his hand and he touches the man's tongue and he says, this is tied up. Let's do something about that. And so what you see is this very amazing and gracious way that Jesus is communicating to this man what he's going to do because he wants the man to understand that Jesus is there to help him, that he recognizes his need. And that's the kind of savior that he is. He communicates to us as well. He tells us in his word and through the work of the Holy Spirit that he truly is here to help. He truly is someone who cares about us and wants things for us that only he can give to us. I absolutely love the fact that he goes to that trouble to do these things that may seem sort of weird, but it's the only way that he can communicate to this man. And not only does he communicate to this man, he communicates to you and me through his word. So we see these things about Jesus, his sensitivity. We see that he goes to great lengths to communicate to all of us so that we know what he's doing. We know that he's good. And then look at 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were open and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. Now that is very interesting if you think about it. Because right before he does something that's going to radically change this man's life, he does something that is representative of grief. In fact, uh, the word, the Greek word stenaso, that uh, we translate as sigh, it means a, a groaning that has grief involved in it. Now, why is Jesus feeling any grief? He's about to radically make this man's life different. I'll be honest. If you came to me and you had a big problem, let's say you were in debt, you had, you had to pay $10,000. And of course, I've got $10,000. And so that's a joke. Um, but if I had it, if I had what you needed, I think I'd get pretty excited, you know? I'd be like, yes, hey, look behind door number one. Look what I've got for you, you know? I'd be so excited. But Jesus... 
knows what he's about to do for this man and then feels grief. And he actually sighs. He groans out of grief. And what that is, is it shows Jesus' empathy. That Jesus feels with us. He's thinking about this man's life and how difficult this man's life has been. All the ridicule he's probably experienced. All the struggle that it's been for this man to communicate, to have relationships. His aloneness, his isolation. And those thoughts just get Jesus right in the heart. And he sighs. In fact, see, we, we, you got to know the difference between uh, sympathy and empathy. This is something I'm always trying to remember. Sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is when you acknowledge someone's feelings and you might say, I feel bad for you. Empathy is different. It involves a connection. Empathy is when we seek to understand and even share the feelings that someone has. So uh, instead of saying, I feel bad for you, when we empathize, we say, I feel bad with you. Because you hurt, I hurt. And that is so amazing to see that Jesus' compassion, the type of compassion that he has on us, is so radical that when we are hurting, longing for something, he feels that right with us. And so he stops to feel that before he changes this man's life. Here's, you know what's so amazing about this in conjunction with uh, what we've been doing here lately in the worship service? Uh, remember just a few weeks ago we had the different series after Easter. And the final sermon in that series we talked about the doctrine of glorification, which is this amazing truth that when Jesus does return, we get not only a perfect world where nothing goes wrong and nothing's uh, in bondage to decay anymore, but we also get these brand new bodies. We talked about how many of us who struggle with physical pain, we all struggle with physical pain in some way, but many of us really struggle and we really long for that body. And there's a word in Romans 8, 23. Romans 8 is the passage that we were looking at that week. And what's so amazing is, listen to this. This is what Paul says in Romans 8, 23. He says, and not only the creation, okay, so the creation's groaning, waiting to be liberated from its bondage to sin and decay. He says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Guess where we also see that exact same Greek word that Paul uses to say groaning inwardly. It's the same word right here in Mark chapter 7. That in the same way, we groan and we long to be released from the way our bodies break down. And surely that is what that man was longing for and had been longing for for who knows how long. And Jesus feels that with him. It's the same Word That sigh is the same groaning inwardly that we see in Romans 8. And so Jesus feels that. He looks backwards on this man's life and connects with that, and it actually grieves him. It gives him uh, pain in his heart. And see, that's what's so amazing here. Jesus doesn't feel bad for us. He feels bad with us. Like whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever is causing you to feel weak, He is feeling that. He is with us in that. And that connection is so powerful. It makes such a difference to know that he feels it along with us. That he's saying, I understand. I know how you're feeling. 
And this isn't the only place we see something like this. If you remember from John chapter 11, Jesus does this amazing radical thing. He raises Lazarus from the dead. But right before he does this amazing thing, he's talking to Lazarus' sisters and they're crying. They're all upset. And even though he's about to raise the man from the dead, we see the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. What an amazing reality that he connects with us, that he feels our pain. We feel, he feels what we feel. He has empathy for us. There's an emotional connection. So we see not only those things, the seclusion and the sign language but we, and, and the sigh, but we also see this saying that he utters, Ephatha, which is, uh, it means to be opened. And the reality is that points us directly to the sacrifice that he knows he's going to make. Because the reality is there's no way for him to be able to have compassion on people unless a price is paid that changes the situation. You see, apart from what Jesus would do on the cross, apart from his sacrifice, all humanity, every single one of us, deserves nothing from God except his wrath for our sin and our disobedience. So in order for God to give us anything other than that, The debt of sin has to be paid. And that's what we see on the cross. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But one of the things that we see here is that Jesus is saying this. He's saying, be opened. He's saying, I'm having compassion on you. But at the same time, he knows that that compassion on that man comes at a cost to him. And he's willing to pay that cost in order to liberate this man, in order to liberate you and I as well. And so that sigh probably had had two reasons. He probably was sighing not only because he's connecting emotionally with what this man has been struggling with, but he's also thinking about the pain that he's going to bear on the cross so that we don't have to bear the tremendous pain of God's wrath. Be opened. And so he says something that can only happen if he is committed to doing what he's going to go do on the cross. But all these things... They point to the fact that Jesus is compassionate to us. When we are weak, he is compassionate to us. He gives us, he uses his strength to have compassion on us. Think about Isaiah 42 verse 3. It says, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. And what's so amazing about that is it's this picture of someone who will not break a bruised reed, who will not quench a smoldering wick, who won't just kick somebody when they're down but rather somebody who will show compassion, somebody who will show mercy and show grace when we are in our greatest weaknesses. And that's so contrary to the devil. See, the the devil will take every chance he can get to kick us when we're down. And Richard Sibbs captures this in his book, The Bruised Read. It's absolutely amazing. I want to read this to you. I know the type's going to be a little small, but just hear this and think about the compassion of Jesus. Because the reality is a lot of times I think that when we're feeling very weak, we think that God is mad at us or that he's thinking, why can't we get it together? And it's the complete opposite. Listen to this. See the contrary disposition of Christ and Satan and his instruments. Satan attacks us when we are weakest, but Christ will mend in us all the breaches sin and Satan have made. He binds up the brokenhearted. And as a mother treats most tenderly the most diseased and weakest child, so does Christ most mercifully bend down to the weakest People. He puts 
an instinct into the weakest things to rely for support on something stronger than themselves. So the vine clings to the elm. The church's awareness of her weakness makes her willing to lean on her beloved. Isn't that amazing? That's what these weaknesses do. These weaknesses create these opportunities for us to rely on the one who's stronger than us. Christ. That's why James will say that we can count it all joy when we go through various trials. Or that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians, three times in the book of 2 Corinthians, he talks about boasting in his weaknesses. Because it's those weaknesses that create those opportunities for us to see that Christ responds to our weakness with his compassion. Our weaknesses serve the purpose of preparing our hearts to rely on Christ, the one who's stronger than us. And what that means is that we should expect compassion. This is hard for us, but we should expect compassion from Christ, even when our weakness is sin. See, sometimes we get stuck in a sin and we can't seem to get out and we feel weak and we think God is going to give up on me. God is mad at me. But that's exactly when he's wanting us to recognize that weakness and realize that he is compassionate towards us in our weaknesses to forgive us and also to make us new. But it all depends on the cross. All of this compassion depends on the cross. Let's talk about that. The astonishing cross of Christ, looking at 36 and 37, to see that the cross proves that we can expect compassion from Christ when we are weak. Okay, The cross proves that we can expect compassion in our weakness. Look at 36. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Here's one of those spots where Jesus tells people not to say anything about him. And there's always that question, like, why did he do that? Why did he say, don't tell, any, don't tell anybody? And were they disobeying him when they went and told? Yes. He said, don't tell. But they did. And here's why he didn't want them to go and tell. He didn't want people to get the wrong idea. Either that he was just some miracle worker or he did not want people to have the idea that compassion is available apart from the cross. That's the reality, that the only reason compassion can take place, the only reason there's any compassion for anyone in the world is because of the cross. We all deserve God's wrath, as I said before, and so the cross is what uh, is the way that God can have compassion on us. Without the cross, there can be no compassion. And so he wanted the people to wait till after he had gone to the cross and then been raised from the dead so that people would always connect compassion with the cross, and that's what we see Mark doing here. Really, really cool what Mark does here, connecting us to the cross. Uh, see, what he does is he connects us to a passage back in Isaiah. If you look at verse 32, when he describes this man, he says that he's a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And that word speech impediment, as I said before, is the Greek word mogilolos. And there's really only one other place that that appears in all of the Bible. And it's in Isaiah 35, which I'll put on the screen for you. Listen to this. Listen to what Mark is directing us to and using that word. Isaiah 35, 4 and 6 says this. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the tears or and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame 
shall, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And so obviously you can see a couple of the things are happening here and other things have already happened in Jesus ministry along the lines of what uh, is being talked about here. Eyes of the blind being opened, ears of the deaf becoming unstopped, lame man leaping like a deer, the mute singing for joy. Obviously in this passage, we have somebody who is deaf hearing and somebody who is mute speaking. And so what's interesting here is Isaiah was prophesying of a time when God would come to save people and these things would happen. That's how they would know that God had come. But at the same time, he also says that God is not only coming to save, but he's coming with vengeance, with recompense, which is justice. And that's very interesting because what it means is God is coming with vengeance and justice and mercy and compassion all at the same time. Which points us to what Christ was doing and who he was doing it for. The reality is that Jesus came not to bring God's vengeance, but to receive it in our place. That's what was happening on the cross. As Jesus was receiving the justice that you and I deserve to receive, he's paving the way for us to be able to receive compassion from God. So justice and mercy came together. Christ receiving the justice and us receiving the mercy. And this is why we have to never see compassion apart from the cross of Christ. See, Jesus shows us. We see his compassion shine on the cross because he, we see his sensitivity like we did with this man. He's sensitive to our desperate need to be saved from our sin. We see him communicating. He came to preach and proclaim that, that there was salvation in him. And he still communicates to us through his word and the Holy Spirit. And then we see that he not only stepped in and feels our pain with us like he did with this man, but he actually steps in and feels our pain for us. Receiving God's wrath that we deserve to feel in our place. And then, of course, makes a sacrifice his entire life. He's sacrificed for us. And the reality is, if we want to grow, if we want to be like that, it's not just going to be trying harder The only way we become more like Christ is by experiencing and really realizing and believing that he has done these things for us. When we realize that on the cross he was having compassion on us in the ultimate sense, that's what empowers us for compassion for others. That's where where we get the motivation and the power. He was willing to use his strength so that we could receive compassion, so that we could be saved. I just uh, read an article about a 26-year-old British woman who was in South America with her family, and they were uh, on a canoe trip going down a river. And everything was going pretty well. It was just her and her three kids in the canoe. And at first, everything was going pretty good. And then um, things got difficult. There was a portion of the river that normally is pretty calm, but because of a uh, heavier-than-normal rainy season... This part of the river was much more treacherous. And so as the current picked up and she started to lose control of the boat a little bit, she began to realize, okay, she's got to make sure her kids have their life jackets on and are safe. And so she's sensitive to their needs. She starts to work with their life jackets and make sure that they're okay. And people at this point are are watching from the shore and so the the thing the situation gets worse. She starts communicating to them that what they're going to do is they're going to they're probably going to fall out, and if they do, that they're going to have to make their way over 
to the riverbank and that she would help them. And she's seeing their fear. She can recognize how scared they are, but she chooses that she's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're okay. And sure enough, the canoe flips over and everybody goes into the water. And people watch, including her husband, as she does everything in her power to begin to try to swim and push her three little children over to safety. And even though she gave it everything she got, they made it. The children were safe. She was able to push them over to a rock that they were able to cling cling on and stay behind and be saved. But she used all of her strength To save them and and then the current took her away and they found her body a day later. And when you realize that what she did was choose to use every bit of strength that she had to save those kids. You think about that and then you think about that's what Christ has done for us on the cross. He used all of his strength To become weak and to receive the wrath of God. But to remain strong enough to sustain the wrath of God. And satisfy the wrath of God. To realize that he gave his strength so that we could receive compassion is what changes our lives. And it also is what empowers us to begin to become a bit more like him. Celebrating the fact that he would use his strength to save us in our weakness empowers us to use our strength to minister to those who have needs in our community and around the world. Isn't that amazing? And we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And it is such a reminder that Jesus gave his body and his blood so that you and I could receive compassion and so that we could always know that when we feel weak we can lean on him who is strong and he will be compassionate to us let's pray father we thank you so much that you would send your son to dive into the river and push us to safety and lose his life in the process To pay our debt of sin on the cross. To rise again to prove that you've chosen to have compassion on us. Would you help us to live in that compassion and share it with others. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, Lord, would you let it remind us that we would do this in remembrance of him. And that we'd be strengthened and that we would grow in grace. And we praise your holy name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.